Well, good morning. It is so good to see you this morning. How many of you are tired this morning? <laughs> Everybody. Do we need to get up and run a lap before we get started just to get everybody's blood pumping? Uh, listen, I, we have, we're an hour earlier today even though, or we're an hour later. I don't know what we are. It just, I just know that we're tired from whatever happened at the time last night. So, but needless to say, it's good to see you. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad we get to worship together today. Um, unfortunately, we open up this morning with a, uh, with a bittersweet announcement. This morning, as she was getting ready uh, for worship, Sister Joan Deese passed away. Uh, she was getting ready for, for, uh, to come be with us this morning and got to feeling bad and, and laid down for a few minutes and, um, and never woke up. Uh, but at the same time, how much of a blessing is it that you're getting ready to go to worship to be with your brothers and sisters and... You end up with your heavenly Father. I just that's, there's a part of that, that that just gives me chills as I think about it. And uh, she has uh, received her reward this morning, and and we express our sympathy to their families. The more that we find out, uh, we will pass along as as that comes available. Please remember her family in your prayers at this time. Also, please remember uh, Veronica Fortenberry. This is Chance's wife and uh, Patty and Brian's uh, daughter-in-law. In your prayer, she has been in a lot of pain and is undergoing some tests right now, and she'll be visiting with a neurologist in the morning, so uh, remember her in your prayers. Linda Howell is going um, to be seeing a doctor hopefully this week about uh, an aortic valve replacement. Uh, they're trying to get her into UAB. There's no date for this surgery yet, but it is a surgery that is going to be needed, and so they're trying to get in with a surgeon this week uh, to begin that process, so please remember uh, Miss Linda in your prayers. Uh, there will be a bridal shower today for Bradley and Madison this afternoon from 1.30 until 3. Um, so if you uh, want to be a part of that, uh, please do. Uh, I know that she will be happy to see anybody and everybody that, that joins to celebrate uh, their engagement and soon-to-be wedding today. Nikki McCreelis has been moved to Encompass Health and Rehab Hospital. His address uh, is on the bulletin here on my announcements. I will set this on the back table, so if you would like to get that, uh, you can get that and send him a card. This next weekend is, well, let me read this first. This is a thank you note from Miss Barbara Sly, and she says, Words can never express how much you mean to me. Your prayers have been such a blessing and have brought me through the last few months. You have fed us, visited, called, just helped in so many ways. Every act of kindness was so appreciated. Please continue to pray for me in the weeks and months to come. I have recovered from the COVID, but not from losing Terry Barbara Slatton. Of course, Miss Barbara is in um, Destin, Florida this weekend with a couple of family members, and we hope that she has good trips. Good to see Eric. Eric had a little bit of surgery this past week and looks like he's on the up and up, so, 
So good to have Eric with us this morning. This coming week is a big week and a busy week for a lot of really good reasons. For starters, next Sunday morning, we relaunch our class period, our class time. So we will have early service at 9 o'clock. We will then have class at 10. Those classes will include classes for all of our children. Um, they will be upstairs in their classrooms. Those classrooms will be labeled. Teachers will be there next Sunday morning uh, at 10 o'clock. That includes our young adult class, which will resume meeting upstairs. Uh, David Albright's class, uh, which will meet in the fellowship hall, and then an auditorium class that will meet in here. If you want to be part of that auditorium class, um, Sean Towns will be teaching that, and there are books on the uh, table in the lobby uh, for that class on the book of Genesis. Uh, you can pick one of those up. So we are excited about that time. But building up to that day, we do have a young man by the name of Jonathan Germany that will be visiting with us. He and his wife, Catherine, and their two-month-old baby. What's the baby's name? I don't remember. He's a cute little baby, though. That's all that matters, right? They will be with us interviewing for our youth minister position. Uh, they are going to be actually coming in Thursday and then Friday evening. I know we announced this a little bit different last week, but we're going to rearrange it. Friday evening at City Park at 5 o'clock, all of our elementary K-5 through five, uh, families, we're going to meet at the park at 5 o'clock uh, for dinner and a devotional and just playing on the park. Um, uh, so that'll be 5 o'clock. If you have kids in that age range, even if you're, you have kids that are older than that, we want your family to come and be a part of that night. Uh, so that's all of our family, kids, K through 5 or even a little bit younger. Uh, if you've got kids under middle school age, come to City Park, 5 o'clock. We'll have supper, devotional period, and just some fun time playing with each other. Um, bring your lawn chairs and different things like that if you, if you want. And then Saturday... At 6 o'clock at Jamie and Stephanie's house, we'll have the same thing but for 6th through 12th grade. Again, if you've got kids, if you were at the, the, the Friday night thing and you've got kids in the youth group age, that's fine. We want you to come to that as well. And so you kind of can double dip a little bit in that situation. Or if you can only come to one or the other, that is fine as well. We're just trying to, to divide up some opportunities for him to get an opportunity to see everybody and kind of meet everybody uh, in, in maybe a little bit smaller group instead of just everybody in one big um, moment. And so, so let's, what is it? Friday clock, five o'clock for who? Elementary age, Saturday, six o'clock, Jamie and Stephanie's. Middle school, high school. Okay. Um, and then Sunday morning, he'll be teaching a combined youth class of middle school, high school. And then he will be preaching at our second service as well. So we are, uh, we're going we're gonna to put him to work <laughs> while he's here. And he's excited to come, and we're excited for him to be with us. So be praying for that um, weekend as we look at It's a big weekend for us, and we're really excited about it. That's all the announcements I have, I believe. Danny, Jamie, somebody, are y'all going to announce now? Or Okay, Jamie's got an announcement, and then we will turn things over to Judd, and Judd will lead us in worship. Good morning. Our two-week period for, um, I guess, the installation of David Albright is over, so we'd like to announce him as the new deacon here at Ninth Avenue Church Christ. So please congratulate him and 
I know he's going to do great things. Thank you. Good morning. I've been battling this pollen, so if I start coughing, y'all just keep on without me. First song uh, for the Lord's Supper will be 10,000 Angels. You may stand and sing if you like. They spat upon the Savior, so pure and free from sin. They said, crucify him, he's to blame. He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone for you and me. To the howling mob he yielded, he did not for mercy cry. The As we pre prepare for the Lord's Supper, I'll be reading from Isaiah chapter 53, verses 3 through 6. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquitted with grief, and as one uh, whom men hid their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that, was brought, that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own ways. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquities of us all. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we just thank you for your son. We just thank you for all that he did for us, for giving his life for each of us and giving us that way that we can have a home with you in heaven. We just pray that you'll be with us now as we partake of this loaf, which represents his body, that we'll partake of it in a truly acceptable way. For prayer in Christ's name, amen. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you'll be with us now as we partake of this fruit of the vine, which represents your son's blood that was shed on that cross. And may we take of it in an acceptable way. 
We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Father, we just thank you for our jobs that we each have, and we're just thankful for the ability to provide for our families. Father, we pray that you'll be with us now as we give back to you for the work of the church, and may we do it with a cheerful heart. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Long before our scripture and prayer, glorify thy name.
This morning's reading will come from Matthew 5, 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for this day and the opportunity we have to come out and worship, sing praises to your name. We pray that all the things that are done here today are in accordance to your will and your teaching. Lord, we pray for the health and safety of all those that are here, those that are listening, and those that are watching online. Lord, we also pray for the teachers, healthcare professionals, and all those that have been involved with this pandemic. We pray for their strength and courage to continue on. Lord, we pray for the leaders of our community, the state, and our country, that you will be there to encourage them, hold their hand, and influence the decisions that are made for the welfare of our people. Lord, we'd like to extend a special prayer for the comfort and understanding uh, to the family and the friends of those of Miss Joan Dees. We are all blessed to have known her and to follow her lead as, as her lead as a Christian. Lord, we pray today for Matthew and the message that he's about to bring us. We pray that you open up our hearts and minds so that we may study together and better prepare for our walk with you. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. song before Matthew's lesson will be, How Great Thou Art, You May Stand and Sing.
We're sitting back here in the back corner, and across the aisle there's Gatlin. Judd's up here leading singing in a very powerful way, and Gatlin goes, I don't want to sing this song. I want to sing Jesus Loves Me. (laughs) So for Gatlin this morning, let's sing Jesus Loves Me, okay? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones do him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. Now I'm Gatlin's favorite song leader. Well, thank you for being with us this morning. We're going to kick back into our series on being an influencer. Last week, we kind of introduced and talked about some things and the importance of our influence and why we've been called to be an influencer for Christ. And then today, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of jump off of the idea... The idea that he talks about where he says, be eager to do good, live your life in a certain way. In 1 Peter chapter 3 last week, we're going to look at today, how do we do that, okay? How do we live our life in a good way? And if we back all the way back up to the first sermon that Jesus preached in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus make some statements that to us today are so common, okay? So common. We we understand that he talks about being salt of the earth, being the light of the world. If you've been in church for 20 minutes, you've probably heard a sermon on this idea. But what happens to these type of passages that we're so familiar with, and you've heard me say this, and I've talked about this before, when we're so familiar with a passage that we can just quote and that we just know that a lot of times it tends to lose its power. It tends to lose its real influence for us in our life. And so I want us to take this passage that Jesus talked about, and Jesus said, hey, this is how you live. Okay, this is what I want from you, and I want us to maybe look at it in a fresh way and pull some thoughts out of it. So that we can be eager to do good and have a greater influence in our lives. So let's jump in to our passage this morning and let's talk about the very first thing that he shows us here. He says in chapter 5 verse 12, he says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled Underfoot. There's a couple of things, uh, three things actually, that we're going to talk about as we think about being salt of the earth. Let me ask you this first. How many of you like salt? How many of you like salt? How many of you like salt? Because that's kind of a trick question because most of us don't just like salt by itself, right? Like most of us aren't just going to tear open a salt packet and just pour it in our mouth. Any of you like that here? That, that'll just do that? David, that doesn't surprise me one bit. Um, Salt is usually best when it's what? Put with something else, right? When it's put on something or mixed with something. Uh, salt is, is there, though, for a very specific reason. It's there to give taste. That's the whole point of salt. It is there to give taste. And as I think about that idea this morning, as I think about that idea, it is our job as Christians, it is our job as Christians to add zest and fire to the world to add zest and fire to the world, to get people excited about Jesus. To, to, one, of the things, one of the reasons that you add salt to something is because it's what? It's bland. It has no flavor to it. And when you think about the world that we live in, when you think about the world that we live in, 
a lot of people live their life with very little purpose, don't they? A lot of people are just kind of floating around. Their life is very bland. They, they get up and they go to work and they come home and they get up and they go to work and they go home. And, and there's not maybe in their life a lot of purpose. But as Christians, we have a message. We have a message from Christ. We have an influence that we can, we can show people that there's more to this life, that this life can be exciting, that this life can be fun, that this life can be rewarding, that this life has so much more to offer to you if you live it through the life of Christ. We're here to add taste to the world. But also another thing that salt does is salt, uh, it, it is a preservative it preserves different types of food. How many of you enjoy your um, refrigerator? How many of you think about your refrigerator very often? Uh, I mean, through the day, how many of you just really think about your refrigerator? When do we normally think about our refrigerator? David, when do we think about our refrigerator? When we've gone on a trip and we've come home and you open the door to the house and you notice your refrigerator's going out. Why? Because the whole house smells like rotten food. That happened to David a few months ago. They came home from a trip, and uh, then they did the smart thing that everybody does. What'd they do? They had to make sure it wasn't working, so they opened the refrigerator, and it made the smelling. Our refrigerator's not something we think about very often because it's a modern convenience that preserves our food for us. Before refrigeration, what is one thing that, that people did to preserve their food? They salted it. They salt cured their, their food. And, and, and salt, as you worked it into that meat and it preserved it, it kept things from eating it away. It kept bacteria away. It kept it from rotting. And as Christians, that's what we're supposed to do. We live in a rotten world. Watch the news for 10 minutes today. Turn on any news, conservative news, liberal news, no affiliation news, it doesn't matter. If you turn the news on for 10 minutes, you're going to see that our world that we're living in is challenged by sin. It's challenged by sin. And our job as Christians is to be the salt that's mixed up in this world that stops the evil from moving past us. And one illustration of this kind of idea and thought may be this. Uh, we're um, coaching, or I'm helping uh, Coach Vance's little baseball team. And uh, if you see him today, you'll notice he's got a bruise right here. And we were playing catch the other day, and... He missed the ball, and it caught him right here. Somebody asked him at school what happened. You know what his response was? Kevin, you'll like this. Dad threw a ball at me. So my coaching's going really well. But I was talking to some of the other dads, and, you know, I'm still considered the new guy in town. And one of the things that the guy, one of the coaches told me, one of the dads told me, he said, you know, in a small town, there can be a lot of drama. He goes, but if you don't want to deal with it, you don't have to. But he said, eventually, you're going to get caught up in it somewhere or another. That's just the truth about small towns, isn't it? There's a lot of drama. And you know what our job is as Christians to be, to be these people that, that preserve the, the goodness of our world is when drama comes our way, you know what we do? We don't participate in it. When gossip comes our way, listen, we love gossip. Gossip's fun. It's fun to feel like you know something. All right, but what I've learned in my life, because I'm married to Blair and Blair's done hair the majority of the time that we've been married, is that gossip is everywhere and there's 15 forms of every story. I just love sitting in the beauty shop listening. You learn so much about so many people and most of it's not even true. 
But our job as Christians is when that gossip hits our ears, instead of being eager to hear it and then turn around and go, hey, Alex, did you know? Usually when we use the phrase, hey, did you know, we need to be careful because that's usually a sign that we might be participating in the gossip train as Christians to be sought. We stop it. We don't participate in it. We preserve it. We keep the evil. We keep the sin from moving past us. And if we do that, we, we create a positive environment. We create a good environment. We need to be eager to do good. We live our life in that way. And then the last thing here is that salt creates thirst. Salt creates thirst. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6 says, Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Seasoned with salt. Last week we talked about this idea that if you're living your life in a certain way, if you're living in a certain direction, if you're living your life with that hope, Peter says, you need to be ready to give an answer for why you're living that way. And here is kind of the same thing. It echoes that thought that if we are living a good life, if we are living a positive life, if we're being a good influence, if we're living to give taste and to preserve our society, then we're going to create thirst in people and they're going to look at us and they're going to want to know what is it about you that is so different. Why are you this way? Live our life, have our conversation seasoned with salt so that we will have the ability to answer those questions and have those relationships. So the first thing he says is we are to be the salt of the earth. The next idea is the idea of being light. Let's keep going in our text. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. These, these people would have understood the imagery there of, of a city or a house or, or, or something up on a hill that's maybe been whitewashed, and as the sun hits it, it just gleams and it glows. And he goes on and says, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So we are to be a visible influence. And, and this is just something that's just kind of passed down to us. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. That was a descriptive term that Jesus used of himself. He says, I am the light of the world. And since he is our Savior, God is our Father, we're all part of this family, we're to have that personality and character trait as well. Because Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8, he says, um, But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Just like Jesus is light, you live as light in your life. So let's talk about the purpose of the light. The first is this. It dispels darkness. And I think that as, as Christians, as just not just Christians, just as people, we understand that the purpose of light is so that it will not be dark. And we don't want darkness in our life. We don't want darkness in our world. And it's our job to, to eliminate that darkness John chapter 1, verses 4 through 5 says, talking about Jesus, says, In him was life, and that life was the light of men that shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Jesus came to get rid of darkness in the world. To get rid of darkness in the world. And, and he does that, and we are to do that in a couple of different ways. The first is this, and the second on our list here is, it is to give guidance. We are to be lights in the world so that we can give guidance to other people. Now, 
You know, I've, I've told you this before. You, you may remember this illustration. You may not, and that's okay. But I was reading a youth ministry book one time, and this guy makes this point. He says, your job as a youth minister, and I think this applies to all Christians, is not to be a guy that runs around with a flashlight trying to find all the problems and sins in your student's life. Okay, but let me tell you, in, in, in church, we've been guilty of that before. We've been guilty of being people that, that run around and, and, you know, I run into Eric's life and to make sure that he's living a holy life, I take my spotlight and I'm just going to search all through Eric's life to make sure he's as holy and pure as he should be. And then when I find something, I'm going to make him feel bad about it and feel guilty for it. I feel like I'm the morality police. Jesus says this. He says, don't worry about the speck in your brother's eye when you've got a log in yours, when you've got a big board in yours, because you're going to do more harm than good trying to get that little speck out of that other person's life. This quote goes on. It says, instead, be a lighthouse that just gives a steady stream of light to show them the place of safety. And that is to be us as individual Christians and as a church is we are to be a lighthouse church that is grounded in the rock, the word of God, that just is a beacon of light, that shows people in the darkness, in their own life, hey, this is the direction you need to go. This is where you need to be pushing to. These are the decisions that you need to be making to get you into this place of safety. And that leads us to this third idea. If we're that type of church, if we're the type of church that is a lighthouse church, we are going to be a church that reveals what is in people's life. Not in a negative way, not in a way that's going to tear them down, but in a way that's going to build them up. They're going to see the good things. They're going to see the safe things. They're going to see the positive things that we are about. They're going to see our light shining. And as they see the positive things and are drawn closer to that light, then God is going to use that light to convict them to see the negatives of their own, to see the sin that they are entangled in, as Scripture says, to see the things that they are stumbling over as they continue to try to walk. And those things are going to be revealed. They don't have to be revealed by us. We just have to live as God's light. And if we live as God's light, then what's going to happen? God's light is going to reveal that in other people's life. But if we don't live as light, if we don't live as light, we're never going to make a difference. We're not going to be people that, we're not going to be a church that has baptisms. We're not going to be a church that has responses. We're not going to be a church that makes a positive impact in our community. Because you see, running around with flashlights, that's the type of Christians that people get flustered with. What kind of Christians do they love? Those that love them first. That just show them the good of God. And then in that process, we begin to be able to be a light. And we allow God to uncover those things and the Holy Spirit to convict them of those things in their own life. All right, let's close out with a few thoughts. How do we do this? How do we increase our impact? How do we become a greater influence? Well, the first is this, unleash high potency. Salt has to be salty in order to be potent. Light has to be bright in order to fill a room. We need to be different than the world around us, okay? We can't, we can't carry the same flashlight as the world. The flashlight, the world has flashlights to, find, to try to find their own, their own happiness and their own desires. But we can't be like those that we're trying to influence. We have to be different, and we have to be effective. Live in close proximity. This is maybe the most important one. You see, 
We go back a few generations, and for most churches, their greatest point of evangelism happened in this time period on a Sunday morning during church, during the time of worship. That's when most people were, quote-unquote, evangelized. Our, our world has changed. And, and you know that I've talked about this, and I'm passionate about this. Our world has changed. This room, this time, is not when most people who are going to become Christians are going to have their first encounter with the gospel. This is not the place that they're going to be evangelized first. Because people just aren't doing that anymore. People aren't coming and visiting like they used to when you would invite them. I know that when I first started, we had a big day that we really pushed visiting, you know, inviting people to come visit. And I talked to a few people, like, I invited a ton of people and none of them showed up. And that's okay. That's okay. The point was to get out there and make the effort. But we also have to realize that the world has changed, so we're going to have to change as well. The world needs to be reached in a different way. The gospel is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our message never changes, but the way we share that message has to change. And so we need to understand that we've got to live in close proximity to those people that we are trying to save, that we're trying to bring to Christ. Salt does no good if it's just left in the salt container, does it? Salt is not going to make your soup any better if you never use it. It has to come into contact with that soup and mix it up. We have to live in close proximity. We have to have relationships with those people. And then the last thing, they all kind of flow together, is practice rich density. We do it together. There is an aspect of our faith that is individual. Our relationship with God is very individual. Our mission and the way we accomplish that mission many times is done with each other. We do it as a group. We do it as a family. We do it as friends. We do it as brothers and sisters. And the more we do it together, and I know this has almost become a foreign thought because if you look at the, um, if you look on the governor's website at the, the three phases that we've been in over the last year, there's safer apart, safer at home, and safer together. Those are the three phases. And for the last year, we've been safer apart. And we've been talking about being apart, being apart, being disconnected from each other for a year now. And so to all of a sudden shift gears and start talking about, hey, it's important for us to work together, be together. As a church, I believe we're going we're to go through a transition of trying to figure out how do we do church life together again. And, 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 and there's going to be some growing pains in the coming months and over the next year, I'm sure. But, hey, we're going to get through it together. We're going to move through it together. Um, you know, as I like to say, we're, we're, we're going to keep going. Let's keep going. Let's keep moving forward. But we've got to make sure that we're together working as a church family, living this life, being salt and being light. And when we do that, we have a greater influence for those around us and in our community. So... We're called to be salt and light, be eager to do good, and live this type of life so that you can be a great influencer for Christ. Let's go to God in prayer, and then we'll close our lesson together. God, thank you so much for just being our Savior, for being the light of our lives, God, of showing us the direction to you and the way to your mercy and your grace. We thank you for the power of the cross. And we pray that we live in its shadow every day and use it as the great motivation to be great influencers for you. Help us to be a light in this community, to be salt in our relationships, to bring people closer to you so that you can save them. That's, that's not our job. We don't do the saving. That's you.
but help us to put people in a position that they want to be saved by you, God. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. You need this morning. Come as we stand and sing. Song before our closing prayer will be Take the Name of Jesus with You. Shall we pray? Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this first day of the week, this time together this morning to worship you. We're thankful for each and every one that's able to be here today. Lord, we pray for the ones of our congregation that are sick, those that are recovering from surgery, and those that have recently lost loved ones, the Slatton family, the Dykes family, the family of Becky Davis, and most recently the family of Joan Dees. We pray that you comfort them, Lord, as only you can. And Heavenly Father, we, we strive to be obedient children of yours, but we do fall short as sin and temptation enters our lives. And we're just so thankful that you are a loving and forgiving God. And we're thankful for the grace and the mercy that you show us each and every day. We're thankful for Matthew and the time that he spent to present us these excellent lessons on influence. And now that we... We'll enter back into our communities this afternoon and we'll begin a new work week. Let us be mindful of our influence and that what we say and what we do has a great impact on others for better or for worse. And Lord, we pray for our world, we pray for this country. There are many things that are being proposed and many laws that are being passed that aren't according to thy will. And that no matter the circumstances that we live in in this present day, we pray that we always remain faithful and hold firm to thy word. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again. And until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community. Yeah.